Nice to see all of you uh, signing in there. We're going to do our message now and some Bible study. And uh, so I just need to pull up my notes here on my screen. Pardon my, there we go. And uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to read from the Gospel of John. All right. So if you have your Bibles handy, you might want to get them out. If you're looking at this on the computer, one of the things you can do is uh, you can just pull up a Bible. I use Bible Gateway quite a lot, and uh, that's a particular favorite of mine and uh, a resource that also gives you a lot of Bible study tools and so forth. Uh, but um, we're going to read the Gospel of John now, verses one uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Gospel of John is going to be towards the back of your Bible, but that's because the New Testament is the thinner chunk. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and when you get down to John, you get page 1 of the Gospel of John. So let's do that together right now. Our passage today is John 1, verses 1 to 5 and verse 14, which say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So our question today, and our seven questions every Christian should be able to answer, is where is God? It's a particularly poignant question today, given the fact that it might have been a message that talked a lot about the ethereal nature of God and the otherworldliness of God. And now all of a sudden, it's a more practical question in the minds of particularly those who have little faith or uninformed faith, or who are antagonistic towards God and the things of Judeo-Christian tradition. So the question becomes poignant because of the times we're living in, and it becomes a question of where is God as though somehow God ought to be here at a time like this. You know, it's sort of like there's never a cop around when you need one, that old tried and true phrase that's not true really, but, but there's, there's a sense that we are owed God's visitation when times are hard like this. So we're going to talk about that here in a couple of minutes. When we talk about the nature of God, we need to understand some things. First of all, God is separate from everything that God created. God is not a where, but a am. God is, plain and simple. We're going to understand that even during hardships, the question of where God is is not so much to be considered as the question of where we are in relation to God. So here we are during what I'm calling the great hunker down of 2020. And we think God should be hunkering down with us, maybe. So we're going to talk about that a little bit here in a second. And I want you to just consider some things with me as we 
look at our times and the question of where God is and what the Bible tells us about God's presence during difficult times. People all over the world are self-quarantining right now during what is called a global pandemic. And there's a lot of fear about catching the virus, but also it's tempered a little bit because many of us, I think even some people foolishly think that they're not going to catch it, or if they do, it's going to be a little bout with a cold and then they'll be done with it, which is probably foolish. Uh, even from a Christian point of view, we can agree that we are not to put ourselves ahead of God. We're not to think too highly of ourselves. And honestly, people who are cocky and arrogant about this sickness that's in the, in, in the neighborhood, in the air, um, that's an opportunity for them to see what a lack of humility can do for you in a world governed by a God who demands our humility and submission. And so it is important that we recognize that while this may not adversely affect all of us, it is a threat and we don't know how it's going to turn out before it's over. We can look at what's happening in other nations and we can get a sense of these things. But what do we do while we're hunkering down to consider or to keep our faith up, to keep ourselves from losing faith and confidence in, in God at this time? And I think one of the, the things that we have to do is stop trying to make life normal. We're living in a time when everything normal has screeched to a halt, when it, it slowed down to a crawl last week and now it's coming to a halt this week and next week we don't know that normal won't back up a little bit. And so rather than panicking and overloading the, the basement pantry or the, or the back closet with toilet paper, let us just trust that God remains the same yesterday, today, and always even during times like this. Quit trying to find normal and try to find God. There's the first step towards knowing where God is. And I'll tell you how I'm interpreting that right now. I remember about two weeks ago when all of this was starting to look like it was shaping up, I thought to myself, this reminds me of Noah. It reminds me of Noah. Here was Noah living in a pre-flood world where nothing about the world as we know it now was that way then. That is to say that scientists have speculated there's plenty of, of archaeological evidence and geological evidence to, to, to indicate that before the flood, our planet was a tropical paradise. It was probably shrouded in a cloud, much like the planet Venus is. We can't really see the surface of Venus. It was covered in a cloud, but there was a light that was, was uh, twinkling in the sky, according to scripture. And, and so there was this shroud or this uh, blanket of clouds over the earth. And there was a, 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 apparently a, a very constant sort of tropical atmosphere. And here was a guy named Noah building an ocean-going vessel in the middle of the dry land, relatively dry that is, in a place where even Noah didn't have much of a concept of ocean travel. So it's a little hard to wrap our minds around that, but try to imagine a man building a gigantic boat that is meant to travel on ocean 
waves in a land where the biggest body of water that they have to deal with is a creek, a river, a stream, a lake, a pond, you know, they have no concept of what he's doing and it seems ridiculous to them. And it must have seemed all the more ridiculous when this crazy prepper starts loading it with supplies and putting animals in there and, and making provisions for his family and all these animals. And it must have seemed a little bit nuts to the neighbors. And maybe Noah even thought he was a little bit nuts. And then, and then one day God says, Noah, it's time to get in there and lock the door. And so then Noah and his family get inside the ark and they lock the door and they pitch it shut with their tar and all the various things that wadding and so forth to make it so it was watertight and 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 then and then they sit in there in what would have been a pretty dark setting even with candlelight or lamplight or anything like that and and they wait they're hunkered down because someone said there's a threat on the way and they look around and they don't see it coming but they believe that there's truth to this message. That's what Noah and his family are doing. They're hunkering down inside this dwelling that they, he has built for himself, his family, and those animals. And they're waiting for the storm. See how I started thinking about this story? And then the storm comes. Now, just, just as an aside, because this isn't really a Bible study about Noah and the ark, but let me tell you something. If you believe what I was just telling you, if you've seen some similar scientific evidence, then you might come to the same conclusion that I have, that when the Bible says that when the deluge came, it was serious stuff. Well, that's because if you had an envelope of clouds around the earth and the clouds were filled with moisture, and then... God sort of takes his divine sewing needle and pokes those clouds and they burst and drop all that water on the earth. And then the Bible tells us the water also came up from within the earth. And we all know that there's water in the earth and many of us depend on groundwater for our drinking water and bathing water and for the, the city water supplies and things. And so when we imagine this moment in time where people who had no concept of oceans look at a foolish man in a gigantic house that he says is going to float. Uh, I assume he knew it was going to float. We don't even know that for sure. And then, and then he sits there and waits and hears this deluge coming down from the sky. You thought it rained hard the other day here in Jasper. Well, I mean, this doesn't even compare. And then the ground must have rumbled and there must have been something like earthquakes when the water spews up from within the earth. And all the while, he and his family are inside this dark, massive construction that he has built over decades and prepared for this moment. And while they're hunkering down, the storm has come. And outside the boat, the real nature of the problem is becoming clear. And then imagine that that boat becomes mobile. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on an ocean-going vessel, they rock and they roll in the seas. And sometimes it's quite frightening if they roll and rock enough. And yet, if you were to see them on dry land, they would seem like gigantic buildings that never move. And now imagine... Noah's ark rising on the water and pitching back and forth over the seas. And imagine what it must have been like inside. 
I imagine the animals sort of intertwining themselves together as animals will do. And I imagine the humans may be doing the same thing. And I can't help but imagine that at least one of the people on that boat said, Father Noah, where is God? And I suppose at that moment, Noah might have been wondering himself. And then, and then I think this is what Noah would have said, because, you know, I'm not Noah, but I've been trying to be a leader over the last few weeks to try to lead by example and to lead in faith. And when I ask questions like this myself, I know that I've got to have a better answer when someone else asked. And here's what I imagine Moah, almost said Moses, <laughs> Noah. This is, this is what I imagine Noah saying to his family. We are in this boat because we believed God's promise that if we built this thing and followed his leadership, we would be saved. And while this is terrifying, it is also our salvation at work. See, I think that Noah would tell his family and he would tell you that if you want to know where God is during storms, you have to remember that God is in the promises fulfilled. You have to remember that God is in promises fulfilled, which means that he's in the promises yet to be fulfilled too. God is the promise fulfilled and the promise yet to be fulfilled. And so as we ride out these storms and we're hunkered down in our homes, consider for a moment that you have a comfortable home to hunker down in. You have entertainment. You have relatively good health right now. You have food on your table. All of that could change six weeks from now. And for many, many people in the world, that wasn't a sense that, that they had no sense of security even before coronavirus required them to hunker down. COVID-19 should be making you count your blessings. And the blessings you count are the promises fulfilled. The blessings you count are the promises fulfilled. If you're a person of faith and you've trusted the Lord for your eternal salvation, then like Noah, you can say, whether I live or whether I die, if I am God's friend, I'm okay. Because I think that's what Noah would have said too. I think he would have said, now guys, this is terrifying. And one thing we can know for sure is, is everybody outside this vessel that we're in is already done. They're already gone. We're still alive. But even if God takes us away, we have the promise of friendship with God that got us this far. And so when we need to have faith, we need to remember that we were made eternal beings on the day we became Christians, the day that we accepted God's grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ and the salvation we didn't earn or deserve. And that salvation has earned favor with God because of what Christ did for us. And because of Christ's gift for us of the Holy Spirit, we're born again. That means that we're no longer possessed by our flesh and our sin. We are possessed by the Lord who saved us. And he has opened a conduit between himself and us so that we can hear his voice, and recognize his presence in us and others 
who are born-again believers too. Where is God? He's in the promises fulfilled, and he's in the face of the believer who walks in faith even toward death, because death is only a physical end to time as we understand it right now, but it does not separate us from the God who saved us, because with him we are alive through it all, whether this side of paradise or not. So where is God is the question, and the answer is, well, in the promises, in the faith that is expressed in the person who believes and trusts the Lord, and, and you're not misrepresenting God if you say, I'm afraid. You're misrepresenting God if you try to tell people that you're not, but you're foolish. I, I don't know. That didn't come out the way I wanted. I mean to say that, that, that you don't have any shame in saying that I trust God and I'm afraid. That's what faith is. Faith is doing what you're afraid to do. It's like courage. It's going toward the danger instead of away from it. Faith is going toward the unknown, believing that God's got this, and believing that even if I don't personally prosper or survive or if I experience discomfort, I'm still okay because God has given me something far more significant than this temporary comfort on this earth. He's given me eternal life, and we need to think eternally. Now, to the practical matter of where God is, I'm going to just take a moment to do some basic Bible study with you, and I can inform you that God is, and that's the only thing you need to know. You ask the question, where is God? And the answer is, I am. You ask what you should call God, like Moses did at the burning bush, and God's answer is going to be, I am. So the question of where is God? The answer is, I am. The question of who is God? The answer is, I am. If you ask the question, where is God going? The answer is, I am. And so from there forward, the only thing that matters is that you understand that God is. Genesis 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning, God. Meaning that before everything was created, there was God. And that means that God is apart from the things that God has created. So where is God? God is. That's the answer to the question. And if you're trying to understand how to know God's presence in your life and, and, and in your times, sometimes we overthink it. And maybe that's because there's been some pretty lousy, well, I shouldn't say lousy, but, but there have been too, too many dramatic illustrations of that, as though God speaks audibly to people. And I'm not saying God doesn't, but the vast majority of people I know, pretty much everybody I know, would say I've never really heard God speak. I remember one time in my life, though, that God did speak to me, and it was really funny because it wasn't an audible voice. It was more of a feeling God's voice. You know what I mean? I didn't hear him. I didn't hear God speak. I didn't hear a voice that sounded like anybody. I just remember that at a moment when God really made God's self present to me, it was more of a imposition. It's like It was like infusion. It's like I was driven to my knees, and then I felt God's voice. Take that for whatever it's worth. It proved to be absolutely true and trustworthy as voices 
that are imposed in such a way go. And so I believe it was the voice of God. So what we can know then is that God is always present because God is, and that means that when you're looking for God, sometimes you just need to stop and realize that God's already there. And then you just need to shut up and experience God. Now, I'm sorry for saying that, but but that's what God tells me all the time. It, it's like like that day I was just describing to you when God really spoke to me. You know what the you know what God said? The first thing that I felt God say to me was, "Are you done?" <laughs> it seems I had just been talking a little too much at God and not listening. Nobody likes to be part of a one-side conversation. Ironically, that's what we're doing right here. I'm on one side talking and you're on the other side not being heard by me. Isn't that the way we pray to God so many times? What if, what if the best way to experience God's presence was to just be quiet, be still and know that God is there. You don't need to go to any particular place. You just need to be present to the reality of God's always and everywhere presence. The question of where God is is answered with the answer, I am. Answered as I am. When the body of Christ huddles together with the frightened people who don't have the same comfort that we do from the Holy Spirit in us, God is there. When the eyes of compassion shine through the believers, the faithful, born-again followers of Christ, God is there. When words of comfort are spoken and encouragement are spoken, God is there. When you choose not to be given over to fear, not to exploit the times that cause fear, but to embrace Discipline and obedience, God is there. I meant to tell you this earlier, but I'll tell you now. Please don't stop fasting and praying. Lent didn't end because church services in the building ended. The season of Lent is still a time, and I think this coronavirus crisis, this COVID-19 thing happened during Lent. I, I think it's sort of perfect and purposeful because it reminds us that we need to pray and fast. You know, when peoples were faced with difficult times in the past, they were prone to doing the prayer and the fasting in the hope to bring about God's deliverance. Perhaps what we need to do right now is pray and fast. And when we witness to the world around us, we can believe that our prayers are being heard and our fasts are being recognized by God. Remember that the fasts should be sacrificial. And remember that prayer can't happen often enough, so do it all the time. God has so much in store for us, and there's so much to look forward to. And I'm just looking at my closing line of the message today, which is a message from Jeremiah 29, 11, that says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I believe that's true. 
even if the future and the hope are the fulfillment of biblical prophecy that describes an end to things as we know them. Now, believing that doesn't mean that I think it's happening right now, but it tells me that it doesn't matter what happens externally as long as we are eternal in our spirit and being in our relationship with God. That being said, whatever happens, happens. God is the great I am, and the great I am has invited us to be. And it doesn't matter whether our being is held in this time and space or in the eternal otherworldliness of God's existence. We should be hungry to go back home where we belong. This isn't where we belong. We belong with our Lord in a place he called paradise. Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you for your word, and I ask that you burn it upon the hearts of your hearers, that your word might be the only thing they hear, and that it might change their lives and their circumstances forever in a way that glorifies you and makes them your humble servants. Bless each and every one, Lord, I pray. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you to do one more thing before we sign off today, and that is I want you to remember that God values and we need for you to continue the ministry uh, and worship we call tithes and offerings. So I want to remind you to please take time to visit Shiloh's webpage, shilohum.org front slash offering, and worship God. Make this a fast or an act of faith to put your weekly offering in electronically, even though you're not here to do so. If you have a smartphone and you want to do that uh, through your phone, you can simply type Shiloh Give and text it to 77977. And of course, you can do something like putting an envelope in the mail and sending it here to the church. Mm -hmm.